to start this morning by reading this story out because it really sums up, I think, what's going on in our lives and in our culture, especially the Western culture. I read this story, it says that um, there were these European missionaries serving in Africa about a century ago, and they hired these local tribes and villages to act as like porters to carry all their gear to a distant sort of mission station that they were going to. And the porters were going at a, at a slower pace uh, than, the, than the missionaries desired, because they really want to get to this place on time. So after the first uh, so after the first two days, they pushed these tribesmen to go faster. We need to get there, come on, keep going, keep moving. So they're sort of driving them to go faster, the thing. On day three of this little trek, the group went twice as far as day two. Around the campfire that evening, the missionaries congratulated themselves for their leadership abilities. But on day four, the workers would not budge. What's wrong, asked the missionaries. They said, we cannot go any further today, replied the villagers, spokesman. Well, why not? Everyone appears well. And this uh, tribesman said back to him, yes, but we went so quickly yesterday that we must wait here for our souls to catch up with us. We went so quickly that we have to wait here for our souls to catch up with us. And when I read that story, I was just like, man, that is just the heart of, of what's going on in our society and everything. We're going so fast, so quick, we've got so many things coming through our mind that, that our souls, <laughs> we're waiting for our souls to catch up with us. And that's that feeling that you feel when you're really busy. I um, have this memory of when I was first starting as a, as a practicer, as a lawyer, and I was just into this job, and, and the work just went like, boom, like this. And I, I remember walking home one night, it was, it was dark, it was late at night, I've been trying to catch up, and I got to that point where I was just like, oh, I'm just going home, I'm giving up today. And I remember just walking down Main Street, because we lived there at the time, and, and I just felt rinsed. Like, I felt like my brain, like I just couldn't like, think properly, like, if I had to do some sort of cognitive test right then, I probably would have failed. Probably had like low-grade dementia or something. I just felt like really rinsed. And I remember just thinking, God, I, I just had one of those kind of like real heartfelt cries to God. And I was just like, Lord, is this it for life? Like you just, you just get super busy. You get super involved in work and life and everything on the table. And it just feels like, man, there's not enough time. And I've got so many responsibilities. And I'm in such a rush. Like, oh, where's the peace? Where's the joy, Lord? And I remember just thinking that as I, was, as I was mulling it over as I walked home. And I think whether you do a job where you have to use your mind strenuously or a job where you're doing it physically, where your body's spent, I think all of us are busy, eh? All of us have a lot of responsibilities. And we feel that pressure from society, from others, to keep going, keep going, keep doing more, doing more. Carl Jung, the famous psychologist who learned under Sigmund Freud, who's actually the, the person who created the Myers-Briggs personality test, he actually said, hurry is not of the devil, it is the devil. Corrie Ten Boom, you know, many of you might know her, she says, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you hurry. And Richard Foster, a famous um, writer, said, 
adversary, the devil, pages in three things. Noise, hurry, and crowds. Noise, hurry, and crowds. And we don't often think of those things as sinful things, do we? Because they're part of our busyness of our life. But we don't realize how detrimental it is to our spiritual lives. The noise and the hurry that's going on, not only externally around us, but within us. Through our minds, those racing thoughts that you might have, the anxiety you might have going on within you. The you know, when we get when we get really worked up, we're running on um, our body secretes adrenaline, uh, things like called cortisone, and it, it can cause a thing kind of like adrenal fatigue because we're always on all the time. And we're meant to only have that adrenaline for doing sort of heroic things or uh, running away from tigers or something. It's not meant to be feeling like that every day. And so our bodies feel the effects of that hurry and stress when we're in that moment all the time, stressing. Many people struggle with anxiety and worries because of this. And when I was thinking about that, I thought about this quote from a guy called Dallas Willard when he was describing, someone asked him once, if you could describe Jesus in one word, how would you describe him? And Dallas Willard sort of thought about it for a few moments and then he said this, one word he said, relaxed. That Jesus is relaxed. Now we think of relaxed and we think um, kind of, sometimes I think they have kind of connotations of relaxed like lazy or kind of like on a, you know, lying on a beach or something. And yeah, there is an aspect of relaxing that's part of that. But, but when I was looking up in the dictionary about relaxed, it's actually talking about um, someone who's not um, stressed or anxious, they have one of the definitions. And then I thought about Jesus' life because Jesus had a full-on schedule, right? He had these 12 disciples around him, a bigger group of about 70-odd people, and then a, sort of a whole big crowd's following. People were at him all the time. He's getting interrupted all the time if you read through the Gospel narratives. But because Jesus was in communion with the Father, all the time, and because he withdrew to be with the Father, he was relaxed. And what that allowed him to be was to be the most present person that's ever lived. Have you had that experience? It's, it's so rare these days because of the way our society is, and we're so distracted by so many things, including our phones. But have you had that experience where you meet someone, maybe at work or at a conference or something like that, and, and, and that person gives you their attention. Have you had that experience? It's actually a wonderful and rare thing. That person like listens to you and they're not just listening for a chance to say what they want to say. Because eh? often you hear conversations and people are just waiting for their turn. It's like that kind of and you're just trying to get in there with your thing. But when you actually listen, when someone listens to you like that who's present with you it is the most incredible thing. It's a gift. And I've experienced myself a couple of times where people are just, you could just tell, they are just, you'll finish what you're saying and they won't jump in with what they want to say. They'll just wait. And they'll let you just carry on if you want to. Or they might even ask a question to clarify to ask you more about what you're saying. And it's a wonderful experience. But too often, I think most of our 
experiences as humans is that we're in those conversations. People, you know, when you talk to someone and you can tell they're not really giving you their full attention, they're like, their eyes are darting around the room, they're looking at that person over there, they're thinking about, you can tell they're not there. Their, their body's there, but their mind and their spirit's gone elsewhere. <laughs> they're thinking about other things. And, or worse, they're, they're just on their phone, the way they're talking to you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, Jesus was the most relaxed and present person who ever lived. And it was because of that communion that he had with the Father. He was intentional about withdrawing from the crowds and from the people, even his own disciples, to go and have time to be with the Lord. And he modeled this to his disciples. Here's in Mark 6, verse 31 to 33. This is just after this momentous event of feeding the 5,000. Huge, it must have been a huge amount of effort that had gone into that physically and spiritually. And then because so many people were coming and going, there was a whole lot of bustle and stuff happening, this is the disciples, that they did not even have a chance to eat. So the, the disciples are, are frantic, they're anxious, they're busy, and Jesus says to them, come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. So, as I said before, Jesus had this relationship with the Father, but it wasn't just, he just didn't have that just for his own sake. He is actually modeling something to these guys as his apprentices, who we are today as well, was that he was saying to them, this way I do relationship, this is the way I do life. Follow me, do what I do, and you will have this peace, you will have this presence around other people. And so he's inviting them to come away with him. It's an invitation. Prayer is an invitation to be with God. He's not forcing you to do this, but he's there, like Jesus saying, come, come, spend some time with me. Come to a place, a quiet place. In some translations it says lonely place or desolate place. Um, the word is uh, Greek is eremos. It, it just means a place. It could be on a in a desert or a mountain or in your back room. It's just a place where there's not a lot of external stimuli going on. So that you like people and noise and things. So that you can be present to God and not distracted by a whole lot of things. And so he's saying to these guys, like, yeah, come, come, come to this place and have some time with me. Let's rest together. It's a wonderful picture, and I, I, I just love it, and I, I just think about that as I, as I come into my time to the Lord. But unfortunately, I think our prayer lives can often be like this. Pete Greg says, prayer can easily become a frenetic extension of the manic way I live too much of my life. Distracted and driven, I step into the courts of the king without modulation, without introduction. Not even a hello God, where I here I am. It's just like, oh yeah, by the way, I need this done and can you without slowing my pace or lifting my face to meet his gaze. And like I said last week, I I think we have these kind of false images of God. But even if we have a good image of God as a loving Father, because of that busyness I talked about, it, it gets into our spiritual life. And so we, we get up in, you know, early in the morning or we, we, we break at lunchtime or 
late at night we're trying to pray and then we just kind of rattle through this thing without sort of saying god i'm here where are you know like we just straight into the the prayer list of the needs that we need and none of those things are wrong and we're going to talk about that in this series that you know it says in the lord's prayer you know give us our daily bread god is a good father he wants to give us good things but the first thing he wants us to do is just be with him to acknowledge his presence um, Pete Gregg has a story in uh, his book about this this dog, and it, this dog is um, he sees this dog in the street, and it's got like a um, a lead, and it's um, tied to like a, a chair. Um, maybe the owner's gone inside the cafe or something to grab something, and then the dog gets startled by something, and then this dog just like starts running around, and then the dog freaks out because it's got this. Um, it's got this chair kind of like rattling around behind it and it thinks it's like some big like mechanical snake or something and this dog is freaking out about this cafe bistro chair that's tied to it making a heck of a racket running down the street and um, he doesn't know what happens you know the dog runs off but he wonders this thought in the book about man isn't that like our lives when we come to prayer we're coming in like we've got a whole lot of these bistro chairs tied to us and we're we're worried and we're anxious and we're freaking out. And God is, is wanting us to be present to us. And the, and the best thing we can do in that moment is just to pause. This is the first step, taking a pause before we do anything. Pete Greg says this, the best way to start praying, therefore, is actually to stop praying, to pause, to be still, to put down your prayer list and surrender your own personal agenda, to stop talking at God long enough to focus on the wonder of who he actually is, to be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. To be still and know that I am God. This famous psalm. This famous psalm says, Be still and know that I am God. But we struggle with that being still, don't we? I find this word picture really helpful around the word be still. In the Latin, for this is, is vacate, and it's where we get the word vacation from. And Peter talks about this whole thing about like that God is asking us to come on a vacation. Because I think when we come to prayer, we see it as work, don't we? We see it as a duty, but it's actually a delight. And he's asking us to pause, to be still, and to, to have a rest with him. Have you had that experience on a, on a holiday? Um, I've had this a number of times. You know, with the busyness of life, you go away on a holiday, and particularly for me, it's camping seems to do it eventually. I think it's because I switch off. My phone usually doesn't have very good cell phone reception wherever we go. Um, life gets really simple. It just gets around just what are you going to have for your meals and snacks. And, and sometimes I'll have a bit of a nap, and the biggest thing I'll do all that day is just go to the beach or something. But I find for me, when I go on a holiday, it takes like, I don't know, like three or four days before I start slowing down. 
where I, I like all that stuff that's going through my head and plans and thinking all that just starts sort of stopping. And then there's this wonderful moment that you might have had when you've been on a holiday or a break. Maybe you had it if you remember it as a kid during the school holidays. We just start forgetting what day it is. Have you ever had that experience? Where you're like, oh, is it Monday? Is it Tuesday? And and you're not even sort of you sort of have to kind of look at your watch and check your phone to find the time because you're like, what time is it? Oh, okay. Oh, I suppose we could make some lunch now. There's this kind of sense that you've actually everything's still within you, and you, it's like your soul's caught up with you, and you're like, oh, now I can rest. Now I can just be at ease. And usually what happens is you've got to go back to work the next day or something when you get to that line day. It's been some of those bikes where it's like, yeah, one week's not enough, I need two or three or four. Because you just get into this mind, you're like, oh, this is good, this is good. Oh, all right, pop the kids, pop the kids back in the car, we're back to work tomorrow. But there's that sense of just getting lost in a moment of vacation and holiday and rest. And that's, that's what God's inviting us into when he's saying, be still, come on a holiday with me, have a rest. And this is not something you can do sort of once or twice a year like you do with a holiday, but this is something you can do every single day and multiple times through the day. It's a wonderful, wonderful invitation that God is inviting us into. And then the, ex- the extra part of that verse is, and know that I am God. I think part of the big problem with all our anxiety and worries and stress and everything that's going on within us is that we have this illusion of control over our lives. So if you're worrying about finances, maybe you're worrying about security, like can I pay all these bills and can I do this and what about my job and all that? Or if you're worrying about some sort of relationship or think, oh, I, I, this is not happening with this person, oh, what's going on here? Or, you know, you're having a fight with someone. We, we want to be able to control our world, don't we? Because, like, you know, it's like, oh man, I can just control my world and everything will be alright. And what we're trying to do there is be God. Because there's a lot of things that you cannot control in life. There's a lot of things you can, but there's a lot of things you can't. And part of, of prayer, of pausing, of being still before the Lord, is acknowledging that He is God in your life. It's acknowledging that he is God and you're not. And that is actually an incredibly freeing thing, right? Because if he's God and I'm not, then I can leave the business of the universe and everything that needs to happen in life in his hands and just rest with him in that moment. I might not always get all the answers that I need in that moment, but I can trust in him that he is looking out for my life, that he's a good father, that his plans and purposes will, 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 will I'll see through in my life. And I think we struggle with that because, you know, I guess because of pride or, you know, we want to be able to control our lives, we want to make everything perfect. David Bennett said this, the English word surrender carries the implication of putting one's full weight on something, someone or something. It involves letting go, a release of effort, tension, fear, and it involves trust. One cannot let go of self-dependence and, and transfer dependence to someone else without trust. Floating is a good ex- illustration of this because you cannot float until you let go. Uh, 
One, one kind of translation I read about that verse was stop striving and know that I am God. Or you could even say relax and know that I am God. In essence, being still before the Lord is relaxing with your heavenly Father as you, and as you do, you behold him. He looks at you and you look at him. Behold, you know, behold the presence of God and you're transformed by that experience of just surrendering in the Father's arms. Um, sometimes I have these really corny kind of images when I'm with God. I think I'm just wired corny kind of. like So, so for me, sometimes uh, when I'm just waiting on the Lord and I'm just beholding Him, sometimes it's like I see Jesus in front of me and it's like that guy from Chosen, that Jesus. Um, and, and then other times I, I, it's like my Heavenly Father and I, 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 I either have God just like putting a arm on my like shoulder like the like my father my, my earthly father would do just kind of like it's all right but i'm here um but sometimes when i'm especially needing god's love and everything and i'm feeling like everything's overwhelming me in my life sometimes i have this corny image of like hopping on god's back a 41 year old male here who weighs about 96 kilos <laughs> because god's massive so that's all good um, and I hop onto his, in my, in my mind's eye, I hop onto his back and I just feel like a little toddler just kind of snuggle into his back and just hold him like, oh, just take over, Lord. Just take over. <laughs> I surrender to you. I surrender to your grace and your love in this moment. Lord, I don't know what to do, but you are God. And I know you've got good things for my life. And so in this moment, I just surrender to you. And I just find that so free. To know this wonderful God who loves me, he's not judging me, he loves me, he cares for me, he's happy to be with me. And just like a human father with a, with a child will comfort them when they're upset or they need his, their presence, he does that for me. And that transforms me, that transforms my heart, it makes me more of a person of love. Because ultimately, we want to get to this place. Henry Nowen said this, when I trust deeply that today God is truly with me and holds me safe in a divine embrace, guiding every one of my steps, I can let go of my anxious need to know how tomorrow will look, or what will happen next month or next year. I can be fully where I am and pay attention to the many signs of God's love within me and around me. How do we find this place of quiet? Well, I, I would suggest that we need to be, like I said last week, we need to be intentional. We need to carve out some time in our day. And that's a handful of minutes when you're spending hours in prayer. Carve out some time in your day to be intentional to be with God. And for you, that could be that could be quite hard. You might be a, a mum with little kids. I remember when Amy, we had like little kids. I think sometimes she said she'd be trying to go to the toilet and they'd be like banging on the door. Like she just felt like she'd never had a moment to herself. Um, maybe it's the toilet. <laughs> it, it, maybe if you're in a busy workplace and you feel like you're eating your, your lunch at your desk or something, maybe it's just going out, taking five, ten minutes, twenty minutes, going for a walk outside. And, and I, could, I, could I encourage you to 
um, switch your phone off or, or put it on airplane mode or something so that you're not going to be interrupted or you're going to get that temptation to stare at Facebook or check something while you're trying to spend some time with the Lord. Um, I know some people are quite active, so um, sometimes going for a walk or, or doing something like that is, is, a, is a way to be with God um, in an active sort of way, but still resting and trusting in Him as you do that. Um, one thing God, I felt God's been challenging me a lot about lately is, is some of these spaces that we have in our lives. Um, you know, do you remember boredom? It, it was a thing that we used to have back in the 1990s. You know, when you did, you had these moments where you were at, uh, in the line at the supermarket or you were at the bus stop. I remember these, I've got these memories of being at the bus stop as a teenager. And man, you can only look at that timetable so many times. Yep, the 54 bus is coming at 7.52. I've checked again. <laughs> and then you're just staring off at the cars going past and think, we had no phones, did we? Like there was nothing to distract you. And especially if there wasn't any other people there at the bus stop, you were just there on your own. There are these moments in our days, which I believe are portals, opportunities, where we can be like, here I am, God, I'm, I'm, I'm driving in my car. I'm going to switch the radio off. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to get away from the kingdom of noise, as C.S. Lewis said. I'm just going to have some quiet here, and I'm just going to be with you. I'm going to drive, and I'm just going to be with you. I don't need to do anything. I don't need to tick off a whole lot of things. I'm just going to be with you. Or like I said, you're in the shopping line, you're just in your, in your mind, you're just like, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the shopping line. Thank you for countdown. You know, whatever it is that comes into your mind, but you just, Lord, I'm here with you right now. Um, you're in my day. Every aspect of my day. So it's carving out those, and using those opportunities, redeem that time. Redeem that time. And the best thing about this practice is it doesn't require you to do anything, really. Pausing is really about doing nothing, which we really hate doing, eh? Because we always want to be active. We always want to be thinking and, and doing tasks and achieving things. And it's that act of grace where we just sit and go, no, no, it's all about your grace. I'm sitting with you in this moment. I'm present with you in this moment. On this bus, walking to work, in my car, with the screaming kids. Whatever it is, you know, there are portals and opportunities for us to be with God. But you might be like me and you might be saying to yourself, well, that's all good. Well and good, Nick, um, but I'm one of those restless people who can't sit still and I have this mind that races and I, I can't, how, how do I be quiet? How do I be with God? Well, thankfully, there is this practice that has been in, in the church for, for you know, hundreds of years, and that's the practice of being of silence, of being still. And I'm just going um, to go over to some, to some aspects of that briefly. And then we're actually, as a church, going to um, just do it. We're just going to be still with the Lord. Do you remember that, you know, have you ever had that experience as a kid where you go to like one of those really beautiful, clear creeks or rivers or something, and you can see right through there's, you know, all the silts on the, on the thing. It's not, it's just beautifully clear water. And then as a kid, you always like doing things like mashing the rocks around and it all gets all muddy and stuff. And even though it takes like ages for all that silt to kind of settle down, well, being silent is this practice that actually helps us to do that. Because we've got, we've got loads of racing thoughts. I read a study that says that we have about just over 6,000 thoughts a day. It comes down to about 6.5 thoughts a minute. 
So even during this sermon, you've had hundreds of different thoughts, probably not about the sermon, probably about all the other things, right? You're thinking about lunch, you're thinking about Facebook, you're thinking about the kids, you're sort of thinking about what I'm saying, but then you're thinking about another thing that's related to what I'm saying. You've got loads and loads of thoughts going through your mind right now. And thoughts are, are, are great, and they're all part of the, you know, our minds that God has created, but man, they can be super distracting, eh? Especially when we're trying to be with Jesus. And it's like that, that river where it's all all the silks are washed up. Pausing and being still before the Lord is allowing it, the sediment and the silt to just slowly, in your soul, just slowly settle and, and, and become clear. And then you, as, as you do that, then you can actually see Jesus. You can actually feel his presence. You can actually, it's like, it's like, it's like this clarity comes and, and you walk with the Lord. It's been, that's been my experience. I do about 10 minutes of this every morning. And I can tell you that it, sometimes it's hard work, um, like anything. There's a, there's a discipline, there's a rhythm to this. And sometimes I'm there and I'm th- I start thinking about lots of other things. Last week I talked about sometimes I actually, before I pray, I actually tell God everything that's on my heart and my mind so that I can kind of give it to him and then try and be intentional in that time of not thinking. But I, I'm a thinking being, so I start thinking while I'm praying and then I'm like, oh, why are you doing that? And then I'm like, but I've actually learned to just put those thoughts aside and just keep, I'm going to keep returning to God. Keep returning to God. Um, Rich Velotis has some great um, tips out of his book, The Deeply Formed Life, Five Practices, Five Transformative Values. Um, the first point is focus on relationship, not technique. I think sometimes with these things, we want to master them, because we can say, I want to get real good at this, like, I want to be like some awesome monk-like person at silence, and I want to be awesome at speaking in tongues like that Heidi Baker, I want to be doing three hours a day, and I want to, and it's like, and then we try and do that and we fail, it's, it's actually about relationship, it's not about mastering something, like I said before, it's actually about grace, it's about like, I'm sitting in God's presence, and so this is a gift of grace to me, to be present with them as I do this. It's also, um, like I said before about boredom, you've got to normalize boredom. It's actually a healthy part of being human, and it's actually where most of our creative stuff comes from, those moments that we're bored. So it's actually, when you're in these moments, you will feel bored at times. But sometimes I have, like, I, sometimes it's a, it's a duty, sometimes I feel like I'm stacking firewood, their foot, right foot, putting it up. And then sometimes I have these moments where there's just like fire comes down. I had this one last week, because I've been doing this, and God just overwhelmed me with his love. Like, it's probably one of the most powerful experiences I've had of the Holy Spirit in my life, where I was just overwhelmed with the love of God and him like just doing ministering to my heart. And I finished this free time, I had to get on with my work, and I was just putting the washing out on the line, and I'm out at the washing line, and then he, and then he, he starts doing it again, and I was just like, oh, it's like putting the, the washing out on the line. I, I, was, I, I actually had to ask God, what am I going to get on with my day? I've got work to do. Like, and he's just like ministering, and ministering this, this love to my heart, the Father's heart. It was just so powerful. But some days I get up, and it, it, it is, sometimes it feels like I'm, walking through some ends or something, um, but I, I do it because it, it brings me closer to the Father's heart. Um, yeah, reframe distractions, this is really helpful. Um, one thing I, uh, a guy I do supervision with talked about, like, we all think we have thoughts, 
the, the best thing is not to be judgmental, just be like, okay, they're thoughts. I'm a thinking person, I, I have thoughts. And just to put them to the side, and just like, just that thought comes up, and it's like, I can answer, put it to the side. I'll focus on you, Jesus. Uh, for myself, I, I actually have a, I'll put some of this stuff up on Facebook. I actually usually say a phrase, actually, like I usually say something like, I receive your love. I receive your love. Holy Spirit, you know. Here I am, Jesus. Now, I've got a few sort of phrases that I kind of go through. But I find they help me to just keep focusing on Jesus and not getting distracted by all my distracting thoughts. So, yeah, it's a thing of grace. Don't be judgmental when you have those thoughts. Just keep, just put them to the side. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm perfect with my loving Father. I'm just going to focus on you, God. And remember that God is always waiting with open arms. Like I shared last week, he is the father and the prodigal son. He's not angry or annoyed with you. He's not, it's not a performance. It's actually about just being with him. And uh, I, I just encourage you to even try and do a, a minute or two or something. Um, it, 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 I found this just to be such a transformative thing to my walk with the Lord because it helps anchor my prayer time in grace. That it's all about him and his presence. And then everything else I do is, is part of working out his kingdom. And sometimes I even finish in silence because it's like, oh, I'm just going to finish in your presence and, and, and it, this is anchored in grace. And it, it, our last one in this series is called Yield. And you could even have Yield here at the start with pause, um, but it wouldn't make a very good acronym. It would be like a ray or something called something, you know, fire away or something. You know, so praying sort of works better. But you effectively can pause and yield at the start and then yield at the end, which is surrender to God and what he wants to say to you. Okay, 